Welcome to Around the League, hosted by Nav and Tuan, where we are currently recording this episode from our respective quarantine headquarters. I'm currently in an empty eyeglass shop. Tuan, what is your setup looking like right now? I'm actually in my parents' bedroom. Uh, my office is kind of in the the common area, so I didn't want to have the dogs barking while we were uh, doing this pod. One or two dogs? Three. Three dogs? Yeah. Dinner for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> How's quarantine life treating you and what's keeping you sane? Man, just work. This podcast, keeping me busy. Trying to keep up with all the the Window Photo Booth stuff too. So, you know, keeping busy. Shout out to Window Photo Booth. Yeah, yeah. Sponsor. Sponsor it's hard to know. Edit. It's hard to know where we are right now. Like, are we in the home stretch? Are we in the middle? Like, where are we in, in this whole, you know, quarantine era? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, we are probably past the half mark. I'm hoping. Um, people are going to go crazy if we, we aren't even there yet. But I'm optimistic that within the next few months, everything will gradually, slowly get back to where we need it to be. It's hurting me, man. I'm starting to really feel the effects of not having sports. You know, I think the closest thing we had to sports in the last couple of weeks was the NFL draft. I'm not even an NFL guy, and I was really into it. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I saw clips of that. It looked like it went well, and they raised a lot of money for for the charity. So um, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm sure they're going to incorporate um, some digital stuff now moving forward, um, depending on, yeah, how things go. Well, it's tough because like the NBA, I think it was arguably the best season that I can remember with all the different storylines and, uh, you know, just the randomness, you know, it was anyone's, anyone's league for the taking. Yeah, this is probably the first year in a really long time where you didn't have probably the two, three um, favorites kind of in the preseason and that kind of followed through into the regular season and then into playoffs. This year, like all, let's say, seven teams in the West have a fighting chance. And then probably six out of the eight Eastern Conference teams, really, they could, you know, basically coin flips in some of those uh, playoff series. So a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, I would say just ability to actually fight for not only the Eastern or Western Conference Championship, but uh, finals as well, depending on matchups, right? Oh, for sure. And I think one of the best parts about this season as well was the different storylines. Like in LA, you had the Lakers and Clippers duking it out. Um, They were trying to prove who the best team in LA was. You had the Lakers honoring Kobe Bryant, and then you had LeBron super hungry to prove that he was still the best player in the world. It was cool to see Houston go all in on small ball, and it would have been interesting to see how that played out in the playoffs. In the East, you had the Raptors trying to prove that they were, you know, still capable of last year's success without their superstar. Um, Jason Tatum was starting to um, show signs of being a superstar. And then towards the end of the season, we got to see Zion Williamson. So I don't know. It was just getting really entertaining. Yeah, so another really kind of fun story to follow that or this year was, or yeah, is OKC. And that being led by CP3 and uh, Shea Alex. Alex, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander 
from, you know, Steel City, Steel Town, Hamilton. So, you know, give him a shout out there. But um, he's a really fun player to watch. And that team is really overachieving with that type of roster. And now they have kind of a plethora of first-round picks from the Clippers to build on that. So that's a t- that's an exciting team to, to kind of follow and um, was hoping to see how they would uh, pan out in the playoffs. Exactly. I think the big what-if was... Um, how they were going to do in the playoffs. And I think, I think they were going to, I think they were actually going to impress a lot of people. But that brings us into our first episode. So this is going to be the first episode of probably three of our playoff predictions. So we're going to go jump right into it. And we're going to start with um, just the criteria. So neither one of us know who each other has picked. So I don't know who you have coming out of the first round. You don't know who I have coming out of the first round. And what, we'll throw five or ten minutes on the clock and sort of discuss who we think was going to um, come out of the first round. You might, you know, we might agree on some, on some uh, matchups. And who knows, we might disagree on a couple. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I may, I'm kind of intrigued to, to see where you end up with some of these. But some of these are basically... Um, layups and I'm sure we'll agree on most of them but um, there are a few in there that I, I want to see kind of your thoughts on okay well let's throw five minutes on the clock um, let's go with the Eastern Conference the first seed Milwaukee Bucks versus the eighth seed Orlando Magic Tuan take me through the series um, who do you have winning and why so this one was tough you know Milwaukee <laughs> Orlando's playing really well at 30 and 35 <laughs> And, you know, Milwaukee's struggling. They lost the last three games of the regular season before it was canceled. But, uh, <laughs> no, this is the easiest pick probably out of all series, I think. Um, yeah, I have the Bucks in four. Really, it's just it comes down to Giannis and his dominance and how well Milwaukee's played. Um, they're definitely coming out for vengeance in this uh, in this playoff match after kind of disappointing in the Eastern Conference last year. And yeah, they are they are definitely the team to beat in the in the East. And Middleton's playing really well, shooting the lights out. Um, and Orlando, even though they are a pretty good matchup, I think, in terms of having the um, type of lengthy guard 3-4, uh, um, like Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac, Kind of putting that those guys on um, Giannis, um, they may be able to steal a game, but um, I think it's a 4-0 sweep just based on how Milwaukee's been playing in the last two three years, and Orlando kind of still being in that treadmill area of not really improving. Um, but they also have DJ Augustine, so I'll give them a game if anything. We we know fair we know uh, very well that DJ Augustine is good for a game. <laughs> as Nick Nurse would put it he's very capable of looking like Iverson for one game <laughs> and making uh, Lowry look like a bum yeah no I, I have the same outcome I have a 4-0 sweep and Milwaukee was 28-3 uh, at home this season so there's no I don't see a chance of Orlando winning the first two games and there's just no there's no answer for Giannis um, you know, they can throw Bamba at him, they can throw Vucevic, but at the end of the day, I don't think these guys are capable of staying in front of him or, uh, yeah, staying in front of him. So 
Also, Orlando's 27th in points per game out of 30 teams, which I found abysmal. I didn't think that they were going to come out this season as poorly as they did, considering the moderate success that they had last season. Yeah, the problem with that team is their best guard is probably Evan Fournier in terms of scoring. And in the regular season and specifically in the playoffs, you need a ball handler who's able to score uh, effectively off the dribble and just kind of create. He's not really a playmaker, and they don't have shooters. They really Terrence Ross, probably their best shooter, former Raptor. Uh, but again, he's very streaky, and he could go off for 20 points or two points, right? So um, their, their weakest point is really just having someone to handle the ball, the primary ball handler, and someone to consistently knock down that three. They're all really young and lengthy and uh, athletic, um, if one or two of those guys pan out, like Mo Bamba or Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac, they have a pretty good future if you if they're able to do that. But really, they're just a mismatch of uh, of these tweeners. You know, they have Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, Isaac, even Fultz. Fultz is ca- kind of coming into his own, so you know, you never know. Hopefully, he can develop in the next few years, and they have a, like a decent. Um, team to build around but again they they're kind of in the middle of no man's land so I don't know where they're going to be after this but yeah they're getting swept yeah 4-0 sweep we both agree um, Milwaukee gets through the series then they're able to rest up for the second round okay next yep. next matchup in the east we have uh, the two seed Toronto Raptors versus seven seed Brooklyn Nets uh, Tuan how do you see this series going and why as with Raptors tradition, uh, they will lose the first game. Karis LeVert or Ooh. Spencer Dinwiddie will hit or have major games and will somehow squeak out a win at uh, Scotiabank. But this year is probably go, go sport one. I'll give it that. I don't think the Raptors will ever sweep in my lifetime. So I will, uh, yeah, I'll say 4-1. Um Definitely would be a different story if they had Kyrie and whatever KD, uh, if you really want to put him into the equation. But yeah, the Raptors are just too good of a team right now. Um, had the playoffs started, um, they were just on a roll. They have that championship pedigree and really they, they were firing on all cylinders and Brooklyn is kind of, um, depending on Din- Dinwiddie and Harris and Levert, and again, that's probably going to be um, an easy win for the Raptors. Um, Siakam's coming into his own. He'll be able to kind of put in reps as a lead man uh, in this first round. And again, Lowry is always going to come through, either through, you know, just making plays all around the court. He doesn't really have to score. He can go zero points. I'll give you 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and two charges, right? So, um yeah, this is another easy one. Uh, I'll give the Raptors the 4-1 win um, going to the second round. Tuan, I had 4-1 as well. I have it going to game five. Um, I don't think Brooklyn has a case without Kyrie and Durant, like you said. Um, I don't think there is any scenario in which they can get past uh, the Raptors in this series. I also just think that the Tro- Toronto has too much firepower when they're healthy, and we weren't able to see them firing on all cylinders all season. I think their two seed was probably the most well-deserved two seed out of any team in the league. 
because they were injured the whole way and they and they were able to stay resilient throughout all these injuries. And I think it's a different crew this time around. So I actually have, or in my predictions, I have them winning both games one and two at home. Um, but like you said, I feel like Dinwiddie, I feel like Levert, they're too strong offensively to not have a at least one breakout game. So I see them stealing one at home, um, similar to how the regular season panned out. It was a 3-1 uh, series during the regular season with Brooklyn taking one at home. So, yeah, wow. We both had 4-1. Yeah, and what, yeah, the, the Raptors are so deserving of of that second seed, especially with all the injuries um, throughout the season um, to Gasol, to Ibaka, Siakam, Lowry for long stretches. I think the number was like 219 games lost um, to injuries uh, throughout the, whatever, the 60 games uh, so far through the year. So, um, you know, great job by not only Nick Nurse and his coaching staff, but um, just the players coming Coming out, this is definitely the most satisfying regular season. Um, so so far, I think in my in my opinion, as a Raptors fan, just them coming back from like thirty down to Dallas, them coming down back from whatever at eleven twelve against Indiana, and they just play hard, man. It's really fun to watch. Kind of they, a really hardworking team that just kind of are again they are playing up to championship level expectations, but I don't think everyone really thought they could. Uh, be playing at this level right now no I don't think anyone would have thought that they would have finished up the series the way that they had and again it's a shame that we're not going to be able to see how this season pans out for them because um, I thought they had really high uh, they had a really high ceiling come playoff time because like you said they got the championship pedigree and they've just shown resilience uh, all season but uh, yeah let's go let's go to the next matchup the three seed versus the six seed um, wait, is that right? Three versus six, Boston, Philadelphia. Yeah, that's right. It sounds it sounds off because Philly's shitting the bed. Dude, I th- I honestly thought, I thought I made a mistake here. So I say for this for this series, let's make a case for both teams before we reveal yep. um, reveal who we had. I think this is my favorite first round series in the East. Um, it's crazy because. The Sixers have so much size in comparison to Boston, but I still see them being vulnerable in this matchup. Um, even though Horford has a me- mediocre, has had a mediocre season for his standards, um, I think his playoff experience might help him or help the team in this series. Yeah. Yeah. So. Boston is yeah definitely struggling um, to put out a like a, a a big man out there to kind of contribute on the offensive side and defensively. Um, this is probably the worst matchup for them, I think, um, in the first round. It's just the 76ers are so big; they have um, six foot what nine ten point guard. They got a six eight six seven shooting guard. Small forward. They're all six, seven, six, eight, or taller, and they are one of the best. Well, like they're the sixth best defensive team uh, per hundred possessions. Um, but I think just in the playoffs, like how the Raptors um, were kind of uh, 
game plan for last year. They really shut down the smaller guard, and Van Vliet was never able to get anything done last year against this team. So I think Kemba may have a bit of trouble trying to, um, you know, try to get his offense going against Ben Simmons or um, Josh Richardson or even like Tobias Harris. Um, I they're definitely a scary defensive team in the playoffs, and they also have Thibel, that that rookie from Washington who is insanely good defensively, and he'll he'll definitely make an impact. I'm not sure if he'll uh, if he would have made the rotation in terms of being the top six, seven guys on their line or on their team for the playoffs, and if Brett Brown has enough trust on him. Uh, but he was knocking down the three at a pretty good rate. Um, and he's just kind of a menace on on defense. And so, again, they, they probably have tough time scoring as, you know, they just don't match up well um, with each other on the court, having Simmons and Embiid kind of playing playing together and kind of being ball-dominant, like, bigs, I would call it. So, I don't know. They, they definitely will lock you up. But, again, they could go on a cold streak like they did in – uh, game seven against the Raptors, where you, in the final two minutes of that, yeah, in that game they had three um, 24 hour or 24 second shot clock violations. So um, if it comes down, you know, comes down to a last possession or last minute, um, I, I would see Boston winning those type of games just because they have Tatum, they have Kemba, um, but the 76ers again, they're if they if they're able to dominate early on and kind of take a lead, then I think they they win most of the games there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Despite Philly's ceiling, like their ceiling is so high, but they still don't fall in the top 10 in net rating in the NBA. Um, but in this series, they are up against a super thin front court. Uh, the Celtics, I can't even think of um, who their their big men are. But Yeah, it's uh, um, Ennis Cantor and... Daniel Tice or whatever. the Yeah, so this could be a huge series for Embiid and Simmons. And I remember in the Toronto series, they were putting Simmons in the dunker spot a lot. And he was giving the Raptors a lot of trouble. And I could see them sort of doing similar similar schemes against uh, the Celtics and really hurting them. But let's make a case for the Celtics. I think you sort of touched on it. Um, I think ultimately, if it comes down to a Brett Brown versus Brad Stevens series then I'm going with Brad Stevens all the way. See, I, I like Brad Stevens, and I think he's a really good coach too. But what what do you make of the last two years, them getting beat 4-1 against Milwaukee? And again, him not being able to kind of um, juggle the personality of of Ky- like Kyrie and kind of trying to balance out um, a very talented team. you got to understand that Boston had probably last year had probably the most one probably top two three teams in terms of talent uh, wise in the in the league they just weren't able to kind of put it together because they had too many guys that were ball dominant and as much as you want to compare Kemba to Kyrie and say he's a better player and he's not a selfish he they have very similar styles of play where Kemba needs the ball in his hands to be effective so does Jason Tatum. Um, so does Gort- Gordon Hayward. So they have a lot of guys that need the ball to be effective. Um, and I I personally think they struggle in this series. 
Um, I'll give you my predictions after, but uh, the I think the only way they really win this series is if Gordon Hayward uh, becomes kind of a you know the the former player that he was with the Utah Jazz and doesn't kind of crumble in the um, uh, in the playoffs, and then Jason Tatum just takes another step forward. Uh, we all know how well he's playing right now, or he was playing beforehand. So I think the only really way, or the way that they, they get past any Sixers if Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward um, go on hot streak and Kemba and Jalen Brown are able to have that supporting role because they really need those two guys um, to get it going, right? Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you're saying. They're, they have no shortage of talent on the wing. Um, I actually read that they have a top, their top five in uh, offensive and defensive rating as well. So they're, they're a very strong team, but I think they're too thin at the front court. Um, I personally believe that Philadelphia is going to uh, expose that. And I mean, they, they won three of four games this season against the Celtics. So Philly did dominate uh, all regular season. Uh, my my expectation for this series is that it goes four two. Philadelphia comes out of the first round. Yeah, I have four two as well. No way. <laughs> I, I yeah four two. I think just yeah, this is a matchup. It's a matchup nightmare for the Celtics. I think they play probably play um, Miami or Indiana much better. Uh, but 76ers were reeling a little bit, and Ben Simmons was hurt. So I'm not you know obviously kind of put that into consideration but they just match up way too too well against the Celtics uh for me to pick um the Celtics over the 76ers so yeah I have 4-2 in there as well that's too funny yeah that's funny okay so we're we're on the same page for uh the first three matchups yeah it's crazy that's Great minds to get like. Let's get it. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Four versus five in the East. We got uh, Indiana versus Miami. Uh, probably my second favorite series in the East. Um, yeah, let's make a case for both teams. So I think for Miami, um, they're red hot at home. They got the third best home record in the league. They got a young core in uh, Harrow, Nunn, and Bam, and the young guys play pretty well at home as well. They feed off that energy. And Jimmy Butler is showing to be a decent leader for that team. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, Miami had, had a pretty successful season. What do you think of them? I like Miami. I think they are probably, yeah, they're exceeding expectations um, in regards to the regular season. But the, the major leap by BAM has really taken that team um, two steps forward same with have just having Jimmy around I think also um gives him a big boost he's kind of putting these young guys through the fire through the ringer and I think they're responding re- really well Kendrick Nunn's playing well um Tyler Hero uh is playing really well Duncan Robinson I think in his second year he's um one of the best shooters in the league now so I think all three of those guys um will be impactful players um in this uh, playoff series, but again, they are second, second year rookies or rookies, sorry. And uh, you never know, you never know how, how that rotation is going to look like. They also added Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala in the, in that trade for uh, Winslow. So those are two major 
key pieces for them too. So I could see those two guys kind of taking minutes away from Hero and Nunn um, uh, in this matchup. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Crowder and Iguodala, in my personal opinion, I don't think that they're strong enough to sort of sway the outcome of a game. And I think that they are going to sort of uh, hinder the experience that the the rookies and sophomores could have, like the valuable experiment experiences that they could have from these playoff games. Um, another elephant in the room, I think, worth thinking about is their last twenty games. They're ten and ten with losses to Cleveland, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Charlotte. And uh, I was I was looking at the schedule just before the season got uh, shortened, and they had just squeaked by the Magic as well. So um, that's sort of post-Iguodala transaction. And I think they were sort of saved by the bell with regards to the standings. I think if the season were to sort of play out, I think it's very well that you'd have Indiana in the four seed. Yeah. Um, even, even then I would still, I would say Miami takes a series, but again, I'll, I I could make a case for Indiana too. So let's make a case for Indiana. Indiana is definitely not, um, as top heavy in terms of, um, star, star players, but this series all, this series all comes down to whether Victor Oladipo gets back to his, um, uh, kind of performance uh, last year, his all-star campaign last year, is able to get to 89% of that, then they do have a fighting chance because they do have, a, I think they have a better supporting cast. Um, Sabonis uh, has definitely taken that leap, the similar leap to to Bam this year, where he's a guy who's, his numbers are 19, 12, and 5. That's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> um, and he's playing really well. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, I, I've always liked Malcolm Brogdon's game. He, uh, I think, I think he was the best, second best player on the, on the Bucks last year. And he's always come, uh, come clutch whenever I watch him play against the Raptors. So I know he had a really strong start to the year too. Um, TJ Warren's heating up and Miles Turner is always kind of a defensive player that, um, I feel like he's shooting too many threes. Uh, if he's able to kind of, uh, lower those numbers and just be a defensive monster and kind of rebound the ball well uh, and play well with Sabonis. I know those two guys don't play too well together, but if they're able to kind of one guy come off the bench and the other guy kind of uh, play well while they're on the court, then I think they have a chance. Um, Their bench is a little thin. I know they have Jeremy Lamb and they have the Holiday Brothers, but outside of that, they have a a really strong starting five. I think they have a better um, starting five than Miami. But Miami has, I think, the the best player and a and a better bench. Yeah, and let's not forget Jimmy Butler always shows up in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's he he's he's the best player uh, in the series. Even even if Victor Oladipo was at a hundred hundred percent, Jimmy Butler is still the better player. So this is going to be the first series that you and I disagree. So you said that you have Miami coming out of this series. What what's your uh, what's your series score? This series goes to seven, and I think Miami wins in seven. Um, Interesting, be- because of Jimmy Butler, and because there's questions around Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo. Um, again, I think we've I've watched enough playoff series to know that you always you're gonna win with the best player. 
Um, and if you put enough, uh, if you build a team around that player, like Miami's doing right now, they're just putting a shitload of shooters around this guy. He's going to attack the rim. He's going to defend. And now they have Bam playing out of his mind too. Bam is playing like a better version of Marcus Gasol where he's not shooting through so much, but he's facilitating. This guy's averaging five assists per game. Um, I think as a third year player. So I think just the emergence of Bam and Jimmy just technically being the best player on the floor, I think I give the edge to uh, Miami. Yeah, that was really well said. Now I want to change my outcome to Miami, but I can't <laughs> because I chose Indiana and I'm going to stick with them. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess my baseline, I was sort of um, assuming that Oladipo would be back, but you know, Sabonis is having an all-star year and they're led by Brogdon, who I just think is a stud with legit playoff pedigree. And on top of that, you bring up Miles Turner. I think I think this is going to be um, a series where experience uh, really helps. And I think Indiana's just got some really good playoff experience over the last two or three years. So I see them squeaking by also in seven. Cool. No, I like that. No, I, this is definitely a a seven game series. Um, really depending on if like TJ Warren gets hot or like Duncan Robinson gets hot, one of those guys can steal one or two games uh, and kind of um, weigh the balance uh, to their team. So again, this is kind of a, a coin flip for me, but I just think Jimmy Butler having all that experience uh, when he was with the Bulls and when he was with uh, Philly last year kind of uh, put them over the top for me. It's definitely must-see TV. This would be an amazing series to watch. Yeah, I would watch this. I I usually don't watch too many other first-round series outside of the Raptors, but I definitely would watch this 100%. For sure. Um, well, that's the end of the East. So we both have uh, we both have Milwaukee coming out of the first round, Toronto, um, Philadelphia, and then you have Miami, and I have Indiana. Cool. No, I like it. Heading to the Western Conference. You ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. So Lakers versus Grizzlies. Um, just before we start this series, do you think the Lakers would be playing the Grizzlies or the Pelicans uh, come April if the season were to roll out? I would say the Pelicans. I think they were like four or five games behind, which is still quite a bit, especially with like 17 or something games left in the season. So... Um, I would I would have said the Pelicans, but um, you know the Grizzlies had a pretty strong uh, strong middle of the year there, uh, and I think they were struggling a bit near the end. But you know, still give it to them. They they made the the eight seed with a very very young team and definitely overachieved um, through the year. Yeah, I know that's that's the thing. Like Jaw had a breakout year. Um, Might have been my favorite player who I didn't get to watch very much throughout the season because he was in the Western Conference. Um, I was hoping yeah, he, I was hoping to sorry. go to the game against the Raptors on March 30th. He would have been really exciting to watch. Um, he definitely took that, took that role and um, led this really young team with the likes of Jaron Jackson, JV. Shout out to one of my favorite Raptors of all time, you know, Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks, Miss Saga Native, playing really well. 
and Brandon Clark, another Canadian, I think he's from, from Vancouver or something, whatever. Um, and they, they had a really strong campaign and, you know, I'm happy that, you know, they fell within the eight seat or whatever. And this would, this would have definitely been a, um, great learning, um, experience for them as a team. Um, as they play a very strong LA team, dude, give me give me something um, to defend the Grizzlies because I got nothing. Like I don't see <laughs> I don't see them having any chance. They did take a game this season from the Lakers. Um, I looked into it. Like John Moran had twenty seven, Brooks had twenty four, and JV had a monster game um, with twenty two points, twenty rebounds. But I don't see him having a chance in hell versus Anthony Davis. Um, in fact, you know, like, you know, JV, again, one of our favorite Raptors, but he's essentially a pylon when you put him against someone as athletic as Anthony Davis. Yeah, he um, he would get killed, uh, especially with AD's uh, mid-range game and his kind of developed three-pointer. Uh, he's willing to take those. Um, and AD's is going to run the floor. Uh, so JV would probably play best off the bench as a guy that um, scores in volumes while while probably limiting his minutes because he hasn't been able to um, defend the the perimeter big guys uh, very well. Uh, case in point against the Cavs, uh, against like Kevin Love and those guys. So yeah, Memphis definitely. Um, I, I'm sure we're on the same page here, but they get they just get swept. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Um, are just going to run them through the ringer. And um, the supporting cast of the, the, the Lakers is, are way too strong. And they just have kind of that, that Kobe motivation to, to just come out um, like madmen to, to, to compete for that championship. And again, they have the competition with the Clippers in town too, uh, being now a viable team or like a, a contending team. So definitely a lot of motivational um, things for them to to work with, and yeah, they just totally spank the shit out of Memphis if it goes um, to this matchup. Yeah, I got uh, I got four nothing in an absolute blood bla- bloodbath, and I, I think I think this series means a lot to the Lakers because you know to them this could be a valuable resting opportunity um, as they all await the winner of Utah and Oklahoma, which we'll get into later. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, LeBron values his rest and I think that he's going to really push his guys to get the job done so that they can sort of sit back and relax for the second round. That's true. That's a really good uh, point you made there because the other three series are definitely not going 4-0. Dude, the other three series are legit. Oh, those, those other three series could be the Western Conference Finals. Really, if you... If you think about it, um, it's just the West is just always so ridiculously strong um, come playoff time. So it would have been so nice to be able to watch these upcoming three series. But, you know, we can talk and speculate. But, yeah. Okay, so you're I guess you're sort of hinting at uh, the next matchup, uh, the two seed versus the seven seed Clippers versus Mavericks. Um, You see this as being a entertaining series. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, all right. So let's make let's make the case. Make the case for uh, let's make the case for Dallas. So with Dallas, I think it just comes down to one of the best players in the world in 
Luka Doncic. Um, this kid averaging 29-9-9, which is just ridiculous. And Dallas has the number one offense in the entire league with another supporting mm-hmm. cast of Kristaps Porzingis, um, Seth Curry. Uh, who else do they got? Like Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway. Uh, so this guy facilitates um, scores at a decently efficient level. He has very high like um, usage percentage in terms of having the ball in his hands and being the one to shoot or create for his teammates. So if if Luca goes down, then obviously that team goes to shit. But they have probably the best young player in all the league. Um, if you're probably to ask any GM in the league to pick a guy who's under 25 or even under, what, 30, he would probably be one of the top two, top three guys. So, yeah, Luca's, Luca probably win them one or two games. But it's a pretty shitty matchup for him. He's playing up or he's playing against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are two of the premier um, perimeter guards uh, in the league. Uh, so he probably won't play up to his 29-9 average. But I think he still um, plays well well enough where... Um, or he'll probably get enough um, attention that Chris Tapps will probably play well because Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Morris probably won't be able to contain him too much. Um, so I think for this series, Kristaps plays above expectation and Luca either meets it or just doesn't go 29-99 against Leonard and George. Right. This is an interesting series because they only got to play twice this year. Um, and the Clippers won both games. But aside from the regular season... Um, you got a top five defensive team playing against one that I think is between like 15th and 20th. Um, yeah, they're 17th. Yeah, I just feel like LA has too many bodies that they can throw at Doncic to wear him down. And I feel like LA has a gear that we haven't really seen yet, just with all the load management and all that stuff. Like they're too switchable, making them a um, like a nightmare for guards. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's... I know we'll talk about this in whatever the the next podcast that we would do more predictions, but the Clippers are such a flexible and agile team in terms of being able to guard the one to three, let's say Patrick Beverly or Kawhi Leonard, Paul George can all guard one to three, even one to four. They got Marcus Morris, Montrezl Harrell, um, being able to guard three to four or five. So they'll be able to switch. Um, their defense effortlessly. Yeah, they're going to be so good on the perimeter, and I think most of playoff success depends on your 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 guard or your uh, small forward performing really well and make, be able to um, you know get op- get open and make jumpers, right? And I think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will uh, be able to cancel that out, and I really like their chances of uh, of winning the whole thing, but. Um, for this specific series, just because of who Kawhi Leonard is and how he's been playing um, last year and this year, Paul George um, injured a little bit, didn't make the All-Star team, uh, but again, he will probably uh, take another step forward and play at a very high level. So uh, for my prediction for this series, I say it goes 4-2. 
just because I'll give I'll give Dallas two games because I know Doncic is going to play really well, and I have a feeling that Kristaps will become a bit of a problem matchup nightmare for uh, for the smaller kind of power forwards and uh, Harold and Morris. Yeah, no, um, that's all valid. Uh, I feel like I feel like Doncic and Porzingis they haven't reached the ceiling that I think everyone is waiting for. But don't get me wrong, like I love me some Doncic. Um, he's a generational talent. I love Dallas. I love, um, I love, what's the coach's name again? <laughs> uh, Car- uh, Carlisle, Rick Carlisle. Carlisle yeah. Love Carlisle, love Doncic. Um, and I think that the ceiling is pretty high for Luka and Porzingis. We just haven't, uh, we just haven't reached it yet. Um, but like you said, I think Porzingis is definitely a bit of a problem for their for LA's bigs, and I see them being able to squeeze out. I said one game, so I have the outcome of this series four uh, one for the Clippers. Yeah, that's fair. I just gave them an extra game. I was gonna say four one too, but you know. Delon Wright might go off for a triple double, so who knows? <laughs> All right, next next series we got the three seed versus the sixth. We have Denver versus Houston in probably one of the most polarizing matchups that uh, that we've seen in the NBA in quite some time. We got one team who's gone all in with small ball against a team that's built around a seven foot Serb. Yeah. <laughs> So, let's make the case my, for Denver. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, make the case for Denver. Um, yeah, the the case for Denver is that Jokic is just such an abnormal talent in the in the ter- in the ways that he rebounds, the way that he passes, the best passing big man in possibly ever, outside of Aridas and uh, Dibats. Um, and he can score. He can shoot the three. Uh, he can definitely bully PJ Tucker and Robert Covington. Um, and he is definitely the X factor in this entire playoff series. Um, it was it was able to kind of balance his inside and outside game, and get like Will Barton and Jamal Murray going and getting them easy buckets. Um, I think that's that's the way to beat this team. Um, and it all goes through through uh, through him. I don't think Jamal Murray is gonna. Um, he's very cons- inconsistent, so I don't think he's gonna drop thirty a night where you need him to. Uh, so I think a, a lot of it depends on Jokic's playmaking and how how much easier he makes um, the game for for some of these younger guys. Because again, Murray, Harris, Barn are all really young young guards and they you know are getting their reps in in the last year or two um, in terms of the playoffs uh, they also have Paul Millsap who I think he's kind of forgotten because he's always so injured but again this guy is a perennial all-star he is definitely um, a massive impact player if he's able to stay healthy and stay on the floor and yeah I think I think that's the that's a way to beat them, but yeah, it, it has to all go through Jokic, and um, he's he's shown to be able to do, to do that. So uh, I give them a fighting chance. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. 
Um, in my notes, I've just wrote, I've just written, how the hell is PJ Tucker going to guard Jokic? Um, they'll have to double team, maybe triple team him, which is going to leave guys, like you said, like Jamal Murray or uh, Harris or Barton wide open. But I think it comes down to two things with Denver. I think Jokic is going to have to shift his mentality from facilitator to, you know, bucket getter and sort of killer instinct. He's going to have to sort of play a little bit more fierce than you usually see him play. And the second thing is I think Denver is going to have to figure out who their number two is because you nailed it. Uh, Jamal Murray's been super inconsistent all season, so they're going to have to figure out who the who they can rely on. Even if it's not one person, the same person every night, they're going to have to figure out every night who that number two option is. And it could be Paul Millsap. You know, they could run a little bit of high and low, high to low uh, with uh, Jokic and Millsap. Um, the options are there, but like you said, it's gonna it's gonna uh, depend on the mentality that Jokic adopts. Yeah, I agree with that as well. He definitely has to attract all that attention, not only on his pass, like um, in his playmaking style, but also the way he scores a bucket or the basket uh, basketball. So, yeah, I agree with everything you say there as well. This is an interesting series um, because they played four times during the regular season. Uh, the series was split 2-2, but Denver has never played Houston in the small ball era. Uh, let's make a case for Houston. So, Houston has James Harden, who <laughs> was on a streak early in the season. Uh, he was averaging like 37, 38 points per game. I, it dropped a little bit. I think I think it's like 34, 35 um, with uh, the Westbrook trade. But that that dude was going off early on and again he's going to be the number one number one nightmare matchup for Jamal Murray and Gary Harris to um to guard and then they also have now Russell Westbrook who they've I think they've built the team around him more than they have with James Harden now I think the number one reason they traded Clint Capella um again who's a very strong and uh productive center uh so that he isn't in the game and that Westbrook has the entire lane and the entire paint to to attack and really maximize his um his strengths get this uh, get this sorry? since 2020 so since 2020 Westbrook is shooting 53% and is now one of the most efficient players in the NBA who would have thought 50 yeah he's he's playing really really well since uh since that trade um, he's definitely the beneficiary of of that trade, and honestly, I'm actually really intrigued with the Houston team. I think it's kind of like a curveball to all the other teams, uh, something that they've never seen before. Kind of like how Golden State came out five years ago and kind of just shot so many threes and played a different style. Uh, Houston's taking that to the next level, and really, they replaced their center with their point guard who is able to score 30, dish out 10, but also get 10 rebounds. So um, obviously the, the loss of Capella um, may may hurt them, um, obviously against the likes of uh, Jokic, but they still have Tyson Chandler, who I'm not sure if he's going to be um, 
in the rotation here, or if they're just going to stick 100% with the small ball lineup. But Robert Covington's a really good defender. P.J. Tucker, obviously, obviously a wonderful defender, and um, they really have um, all all the weapons to outscore you 130 to 125, and that's how they're going to play. They're going to let you get the rebound, uh, the, the, the offense rebound, and let you score the layup, but they're going to come down and drill, drill whatever, three out of nine threes, and they're going to be happy with that. Yeah, no, totally. I just, it's seeing Westbrook play like this uh, that makes me really fear Houston. But at the same time, you know, they're going to win this series pending like the perfect conditions. Because if you think about it, like they are PJ Tucker foul trouble away from being royally screwed. Yeah, yep. So I don't know, like my, I for the outcome of this season, or sorry, this series... I said, I don't really know. I said it's probably one of the hardest series to predict because um, certain things have to fall in place for each team. But I'm going to say 4-2 for Denver. I think Denver is going to come out of this uh, series. But it's provided that we get uh, consistency from the number two player for Denver and provided that Jokic adopts a killer mentality. How about you? Yeah, this one was the murkiest for me. Um, looking at it right now, I, I don't, I didn't even make a decision just because I wanted to kind of make one on the spot. Dude, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> it's so tough because there's a few things. So again, this small ball to the extreme style of play um, is gonna throw Denver a little bit off, probably in the first game or so. But then they're also gonna have a maximum of seven games to to really look at uh, footage and film and find a way to really punish them with Jokic and Paul Millsap. That's such a good um, point. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like they're going to play them one game in the regular season and won't see them again for a while. They're going to have time to really um, drill down into what's going to work and what isn't going to work. And I think, again, it all depends on who's going to come out as a second option for Denver. Um, you know, the the logical... Selection would be Jamal Murray, but again, we we mentioned that he's inconsistent, and um, yeah, I I I would hope I, I kind of I would want Denver to win, uh, just because I like their players a little more, but I think I give it to Houston just because Harden's gonna get the calls, Westbrook's gonna get the calls, and they still have Eric Gordon who could win them a game and. Yeah, it's a, this one is definitely the the murkiest for me. Um, I just made that I made that decision just on the spot right now. So um, I'll give it to Houston just because uh, they got something to prove. But I I could see Denver um, winning this uh, easily if they if they game plan for it. Yeah, like I said, I mean I think certain things have to play out for each team in order for them to be successful. But um, amazing. Amazing series, nonetheless. And again, what a shame that we're not going to be able to see it. I know, I know. So, so shitty. Again, Houston might be saved by the bell as well because there was some speculation that, you know, if, if this goes sideways, this experiment um, that they've gone all in on, it's going to mean a lot for Daryl Morey's um, job security. Yeah, they might have to just run it another year because they're already so committed to 
the Westbrook the Westbrook trade and everything, right? I mean, I'm fine with that. They're pretty fun to watch. Let's not uh, do too much speculation, but if Gobert does come on the market, um, he'd be a pretty interesting fit for this team. Although it would be sort of taking them back to that compl- Capella um, uh, scenario. Yeah, but Gobert is just absolutely better in every way than um, Capella. So, yeah, that'd be something if they did that. That'd be sick. Yeah. Um, this Rudy coronavirus go bear. Speaking of Rudy, Rudy coronavirus go bear. Let's go to uh, four verse five in the West, Utah versus Oklahoma. Um, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. You know, a lot of bright spots for Oklahoma this season. A lot of people thought they'd be a rebuilding team or an expansion team, or um, you know, or they'd get rid of Chris Paul by the trade deadline. But look at them now; they're they're in the fifth. They're in the fifth seed in the West, playing Utah, um, with home who has home court advantage. Yeah, I like um, I like OKC. They played really well throughout this the regular season. Um, they're kind of just a bunch of dudes that were thrown together and kind of asked to <laughs> asked to play ball. And I think they've done a really good job of that. Um, I think the catalyst for the whole thing has been Chris Paul. Um, even though some may say, you know, the emergence of Shea Gilders Alexander uh, is a primary factor. It really is just Chris Paul. You don't have to look at the numbers. He could be scoring five points per game, but you know he's the, the number one reason for for how this team is being run and um, the way they're they're being led. Um, I think I think their team is really strong in terms of um, there's really no weak um, weak chain on that team. They're probably the only one guy I could see um, kind of floundering in the playoffs is probably Tans Ferguson. Uh, but they have Chris Paul, SGA, Danilo Gallinari, who has always been a really, really good pro. Steven Adams, a great uh, just rebounder, enforcer, and kind of that defender. And they have arguably the sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder, almost averaging 20 points per game. And then they have um, kind of a thinner bench. I know they have Dortz, the uh, the Canadian out of uh, Arizona State, who has been playing decently well. But um, yeah, they don't have that probably number one guy that will get you that bucket. I know Chris, like CP3 is probably um, not at the level anymore. He'll probably facilitate a little more and kind of lead on the defensive side. But... I think Utah has that player uh, that OKC is missing. And uh, that play for me is Donovan Mitchell. I think he is such an like explosive young talent. And I think they've done a really good job of putting really um, good shooters around him, great shooters, I would say. And Boyan Bogdanovich and Ingles, even Royce, Royce O'Neal to a certain extent. And they still have Mike Conley, uh, probably coming off the bench uh, in this series as he's not been playing well as a starter. And Jordan Clarkson's a big uh, get for them uh, during the trade uh, trade deadline. So, um, and again, Rudy Gobert too. I think it's going to be a lot harder for OKC to facilitate and get their offense going with, I don't know, with the top two, top three defender, former uh, defensive player of the year, kind of clogging up that lane. Um, 
So I think it depends on how Stephen Adams and Rudy Gobert uh, match up and how Donovan Mitchell and, S- and SGA match up as well. Um, and, and even Mike Conley and Chris Paul. There's a lot of like parallels uh, between these two teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like this matchup. It's probably not a very, um, I don't know, fancy or uh, very hot matchup, I would say, compared to the other ones. But I think this one goes down to the wire as well. Dude, this is probably one of my favorite matchups uh, in the entire league. Just because of the story behind Oklahoma, like I was talking about earlier, uh, no one expected them to be here. And Chris Paul has sort of won me over too. There was so much uh, speculation about his compatibility after uh, after he played in uh, L.A. And, you know, he's bought in completely to what Sam Presti was trying to accomplish this season. Um, and I think he's done such a good job. I think oh, with Utah, I think they have to overcome some obstacles that they faced throughout the regular season, which is inconsistent play from Mitchell and mediocre play from Connolly, um, which is unlike the Mike Connolly we're used to seeing in Memphis. Um, but I think it's the exact opposite for OKC. I think their guard play has been super, super um, exceptional with Schroeder, CP3, and uh, Shy just killing people every night. So, I don't know. I think for Utah, um, I think their bright spots are actually Gobert and Bogdanovich. I think from a guard play perspective, I think OKC has the upper hand. So my outcome for this season is actually the Thunder winning 4-2. You had Thunder winning 4-2? I had the Thunder winning 4-2. Tell me why I'm crazy. No, you're not crazy. I'm just going to... I think that Utah wins 4-2. 4-2? Yeah, I think Utah wins 4-2. And I, the reason I think that is because if you need a bucket, two minutes left in the game, tied game, I think you get it from Donald Mitchell or Boyan Bogdanovich. For OKC, it's going to be Chris Paul. Um I don't think SGA is at that level. His, his primer game isn't as strong. Uh, and I don't think Gallinari um, has a you know strong enough track record in terms of late, late term, uh, the late stages of a game to really score for them. And their bench is really weak. Um, Schroeder is really the only other offensive player on that, on that bench. Um, whereas Utah has a significantly better bench uh, for them. Um, so I would say the bench and having really, I would say Bogdanovich is a, probably the X factor in the series. If he gets going, he gets going, man. He's so good. And you can put the ball late in his hands, which Utah has done, I believe, two, three times this year. And he's come through um, on, on all instances. So, um, yeah, that's why I would pick Utah. I think OKC is just, I really like their run. Uh, they remind me of the um, the first uh, year when we got all those guys from Sacramento, and we made that late late season charge. The Brooklyn got, playoff year, yeah, Brooklyn series. So I think it's this. I think I feel like it's that type of um, uh, regular season going into the playoff team. So that's just based on my like past experience with. 
uh, with the Raptors and seeing kind of similarities between that team and this OKC team. Um, for that for that reason, I'll, I'll give Utah the, the edge there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's totally fair. I think, again, this would be a super fun one to watch unfold uh, just because I think that Oklahoma wasn't wasn't done with with their run that they were mm-hmm. that or the show that they were putting on during the regular season but we'll never know so you had yeah. uh you had utah coming out of this series yeah i just give them a bit more um just a little bit of shooting uh from from their key guys and they they have something to prove after kind of last year's disappointment all right well dude that's the end of our playoff predictions we're gonna have to figure out for this Utah series, I think it's we the Utah series, the Houston series, and the Indiana series. We're gonna have to figure out um, how we're gonna advance uh, the teams to the to the second round. But <laughs> to the um, second round. No, that was a lot of fun. So next next episode, what we're gonna do is we'll do the second round, and we'll figure out how to um, maybe we'll do a coin flip on our uh, on our disagreements. Yeah, yeah, we'll fi- we'll figure something out. But that was a really fun little segment there. I like that. Yeah, we were pretty much on the same page for uh, five of the eight series. <laughs> yeah, and then the other ones were all really coin flip or up up for debate. Um, I think we yeah both had strong strong um, points for for both teams uh, for the series that we did that we uh, couldn't agree on. That was a lot of fun, man. So. Uh, we'll connect. We'll connect next week and finish the second round and move to the uh, conference finals after that. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. All right, man. Well, you have a good night. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Okay. Peace. Peace.